0: Y'all got it? Yeah. Everybody got it? got it? All right. Man, look alive this morning. How many missed that hour of sleep? Yeah. You know, I was just, uh, went to bed, you know, you got to be like, oh, we're going to miss an hour of sleep. I guess I missed it so bad I got up at the same time I always get up, so I really missed two hours of sleep, and so, because uh, I got up early that I normally do, like during the week. Uh, but it's, God is good. I'm feeling pretty good right now. Haley, why don't you come up? We had an incredible trip to Mexico. It was amazing. Now, I've known this gal right here for a while. But after this trip, I got to know her, and she is amazing. And uh, I've had a lot of people tell me how amazing she was, but I got to experience how amazing she is. And I want her to share with you just a little bit about what God did on our trip to Mexico.
1: Um, So it was just really good to see what's going on down there. You hear about it. We've seen other groups go, seen the pictures. But until you actually get down there and just see the heart that the pastor, Pastor Oscar and his family have for that community and just, you know, I had never even heard the story of how y'all got handed the ministry. So that was just really neat to make that connection. Um, Yeah, like just how here in Hammond that this church has been called to serve our community they are doing the same thing there and in a mighty way. Like, you know, you'll hear in his, I won't, I won't give the message that <laughs> you're preaching today, but just he challenged us to just be a disciple where you are. And you don't have to go to Mexico to do that. You can do that right here. There's so many relationships that are right in front of us that we overlook and just within our body. I mean, like the person sitting next to you is a of so much value to your life and I think so many times we close ourselves off to just even getting to know or, like, we feel like we have to take that burden ourselves, and it was really good to just have that community um, just to get to know people more. Um, There were so many moments that I could think of that were just so memorable. Um, One of my favorite moments was standing in church that Sunday morning and just, um, hearing them worship in Spanish, and just that unity that you knew you were all worshiping the same God, language did not matter, you could feel the presence of God so strongly, and then when we would pray for people, you know, there wasn't always an interpreter, but they were touched, and you could tell that even though we were praying in English, their hearts were breaking before God, and it's like they knew there was that unity, and so you know, I was praying for this one lady, and Heidi came up, and that was just, yeah, just to hear her pray for that, um, for that lady, and that we were praying in such unity for her, and you could just see something break over her life, so that was just really powerful, and these youth in our church are so full of God, and the power, and they have so much power, and I encourage you to just encourage that in them, to, you know, even my own son, he's, He was so quiet the whole trip, Um, but he's a processor, and he was taking it all in. And um, so later, he definitely shared, you know, parts that he had seen and just heard God on. So it was really neat to just see that, um, that it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to look like everyone else's, just like I remember you sharing about how you wanted Angela to dance with you or (laughs) worship a certain way. Um, It doesn't have to look a certain way. We all are called to worship him in our own unique way, and we all bring such value to this body. So,
0: Thank you, thank you. So good, so good, so good. I, uh, I believe that, um, that as we continue to do outreach into the world and we touch lives, John, good to see you this morning. I just had a great time with John. I didn't really know John as much as I knew him after our trip together. And, uh, and just stuff, all these little different people that come and sit on the team, and you get to see the body of Christ at work, even from the little kids, you know, all the way up to uh, each and every one of us, and to see that team. And as we continue to reach the world, God keeps pouring blessings out upon our house. And um, he wants to bless this house in a supernatural way, and so I'm excited about that, and I'm looking forward to more. Uh, I'm going to be meeting with Matt and Allison, and we're just going to be planning more opportunities for you to get a chance to be trained, to learn, to go out, and do what God's called us to do. Today, I'm going to be talking about discipleship, but I want to encourage you for next Sunday. Next Sunday, I, I don't want you to miss. I don't I don't know uh, the last time I heard this message preached that I'm going to be preaching, but um, Specific, specifically dealing with we are our brother's keeper, and the responsibility of that. And I, I, it's such a powerful thought that we that we get caught up in this world. But I'm gonna preach it right now if I don't hush. So, but just be here next Sunday and don't don't miss that. It's gonna be amazing. But today I'm gonna be talking about discipleship, and every one of us are called to be disciples. Um, it's, our, uh, it's kind of funny how uh, we live in this American church world and uh, we, we, we don't really hear this message to the point of which the scripture talks about it. We talk about discipleship some but not specifically to where it's at uh, in the passage of scripture but he, he didn't call us to go build churches. Now I love church, don't get me wrong. I'm glad you're here this morning. I'm I'm happy for everybody that's here. I love all the people that's here. I love the people that are not here this morning. I love our community. I love what we do together as the body of Christ. And and I'm all about Sunday morning church and I feel like the local church is the answer to the world. But inside the local church, it can't be what we do on Sunday morning. It's It's gotta be what we do outside the four walls of the church. And every one of us are called to be disciples. We're all called to be disciples. And look, you can gather people up. You know, um, the question is not do do we gather people together on Sunday? And I think a healthy church is a growing church, and I think it will grow. But uh, it's not just to gather people. You can gather people in all kinds of places, arenas and bars and everywhere else. You can gather people. The question is are we discipling people to where they know who they are in Christ? And are we being discipled? You know, it's an interesting thing about uh, the st- that when you look at the shepherd's life, you know, the staff that the shepherd carries has a crook in the end of it. You know what that crook is for? Anybody know? if You know if you were here last service. But that crook in that staff is, is for breaking a lamb's leg. And that sounds so mean. And it is unless you are a shepherd who is willing to also carry the lamb. When, the, when the, the lamb would stray, the shepherd would take that staff after, probably not the first time, but after a few times, and he realized that this particular lamb likes to stray off, and he would break the lamb's leg, and then he would put the lamb on his back, and he would carry the lamb until the lamb was healed. That's what discipleship is. That's when we carry the lamb that we teach, and we nurture, and we grow. Uh, and there's a lot of people that want to break legs, but there's not very many people that want to carry sheep. That's a good word. You're dismissed. You can go home now. (laughs) The Bible is very powerful. It's a very powerful tool that he put in our hand. And and he teaches us, and we're we're being taught so that we can teach others. So um, when you look at the word disciple or discipleship and and truly understand what it means to be a disciple, and, and we look at that word, it comes from the Latin word learn or learner, and, and out of that word comes another word called discipline, and also we have to, that word discipline is to have or to receive instruction, which is another form of learning. And, and we need disciplines in our life. Um, a good disciple will have good discipline. A person that has a goal to be a bodybuilder will go to the gym. A person that wants to be a runner will get up in the morning and do more than just stretches, they'll actually run. A person who uh, has an intent to grow a business will study yeah. other businesses. A person that has a desire to steward their money is a learner of how to steward their money. We do all of these things in life, and, and listen, I'm not throwing anyone under the bus today, but I want to be very clear. We do a lot of things in this life and in in our world that we live in and I'm for education, I believe in that. But we put a lot of emphasis today on education and we have people that have more learning than any time ever in the world. We can Google anything. Right now we could say, what does this mean? And a bunch of you would grab your phone and you would Google it and say, oh, I'm smart, I know, because I read it off here, so it's gotta be true because it's come off Google. And so we have all of this information coming to us but yet we're less studied in the word of God than we've ever been as a nation. Because we've got sidetracked with so many things. If we're gonna be a disciple, we have to not just be a learner, we don't have to we gotta be more than, we have to be teachable and then we gotta be willing to teach. Am I making any sense to you this morning? So God wants to pour into our lives for the purpose of pouring out of our lives. And we were created for this incredible purpose of changing the world. Incredible purpose to go out and change the world. That's what you were created for. And so God created you in his likeness and his purpose and his plan. And then he called you so that you could imitate him on this earth and fulfill what he came to do. So we're the extension of the purpose of Christ coming to this earth. And that's what a disciple is. And, and, and I think it's important that we understand this morning that everybody in this place is called to be a disciple. There's, no, there's none of us that said, well, we have different giftings, maybe apostle, prophet, teacher, evangelist, or pastor, or administration, or hospitality, or all these different gifts that we carry. But all of us are called to be disciples and to disciple other people. And so it makes sense when Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18, he said, then Jesus came close to them and he said, All authority of the universe has been given to me. Now go in my authority and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to faithfully follow all that I have commanded you, and never forget that I'm with you every day, even to the completion or to the end of this age. He said, I have developed you to go make disciples, I have called you to go make disciples. And once you have been baptized, and now you're filled with my spirit, now you go make other disciples, not, not just build churches. I'm all about us building the church if it's making disciples. You know, there's a lot, a lot of the, the church world today uh, is uh, they measure their success of how many people come through their doors on Sunday. And I'm not against numbers either. There's a whole book in the Bible called Numbers. So I'm not against numbers either, but I'm just telling you that we can get caught up in the numbers and forget the disciple side of it. So I don't really want to know how many people leave on a Sunday or how many people get instruction on Sunday that they can carry out the rest of the week that's life changing not only to them but to those around them. And that we're going about our life making other disciples this morning, that I began to uh, come in my office, and I always spend some time, obviously, with the Lord in prayer before I come out, and, and I was reading through my notes, and I was like, okay, so I put my head down and I, on my desk, and I said, now, Father, I want you to just talk to my heart now. I said, because I don't want to go preach a message that I don't have a heart to do. I don't want to go preach about discipleship, and I'm not discipling anyone, Right? It's easy to preach about being a disciple. It's another thing to go do it. Can I get a better amen? amen. Y'all, y'all need to wake up this morning at 11 o'clock. Y'all, got, y'all have plenty of time to sleep, y'all, 11 o'clock service. All right? So, so we, we, we have got to have a daily, a daily process of saying, What is my purpose today? And you say, Well, Pastor, that's one thing for you, but I'm not a pastor. No, we're all disciples. We're all disciples, wherever you're going, you're called to do the work of the disciple, which is to learn and to teach others. And John 8 31, Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, When you continue to embrace all that I teach, you provide you prove that you are truly a follower. For if you embrace the truth, it will release you, release more freedom in you. <laughs> into your lives there's more freedom into our lives when we embrace the truth everybody talks about freedom but i'm going to tell you where you embrace freedom is when you take in the word and you embrace truth and it begins to develop in you you realize how powerful you are and don't get me wrong i have to be very careful when i'm preaching this because people can walk away saying well pastor I really don't like sunday morning that's not what i'm saying I'm simply saying that you can come to church on Sunday and and, and you can never develop a place of freedom because you're not developing your spiritual life on a daily basis. And the more you hunger for God, the more you hunger for truth, the more you uh, become that disciple that God's called you to be, the greater freedom you have of living above and not beneath. Is that good? Is that good? Are you understanding what I'm saying? There are two things that will identify you as a true disciple, and that is teaching and being being teachable and teaching others. Those are the two things that will do it. Of course, the fruit of the Spirit, I don't want to leave that out because that's what the Bible says. You'll know they're my disciples by the fruit of their spirit. But you'll never have the fruit of the Spirit unless you're teachable, unless you're teaching others. So it's a very powerful thing. So yet we're saved by grace, and I don't don't want to take anything away from the cross today. I believe that salvation is all done at the cross. When Jesus died at the cross, salvation. He rose from the dead, and and he lives a resurrected life. And just like we believe that we've died to our sins, and we're risen, and it's by grace that we have salvation today, not by our works, not by, by anything that we could possibly do. And I believe in the message of grace. I preach the message of grace probably in some part of every sermon that I preach, I preach the message of grace because I think it's the powerful thing, the grace of God is so powerful. And I wouldn't be here today without the grace of God. I need the grace of God in my life every day, not just back then. I need the grace of God every day. And so we're saved by grace, and and we're not saved by our works. Salvation never comes about how hard we work or how hard we serve or how much we give. But our, our salvation comes by grace and grace alone. Nothing else. Nothing else. And we must depend on grace every single day of our lives. And we must not rely on ourselves, but we must rely on the work of the Holy Spirit in us to finish what God has started in us. And it's God's goal to make us into his image. He created us in his image. Now he wants to develop us through discipleship and to the fullness of who he created us to be. And so it's through discipleship and through the grace of God and through the reading of the word and through obeying the scripture and through our daily prayer and our love for others that we become more like him. And we humble ourselves, we humble ourselves knowing that it's by grace and and not our own, and we're students of the Word of God, and then we go spread this gospel because it's alive in us. It's alive in us. It's very powerful in us. When I look at the grace of God in my life, that my testimony shines, right? When I think about where God's brought me from, my testimony begins to shine. But if I start thinking about, man, I'm so good that you know, I got this all together, man, I'm just this man, I'm powerful within myself, all of a sudden my testimony becomes like, uh, it sounds more like a story of me than a story of him. But when I understand the grace of God, then my testimony becomes powerful. Attached to my testimony of the grace of God in my life is my willingness then to put my hand to the plow and to serve. I don't serve because I have to, I serve because I get to. I don't tell my testimony because I have to, I tell my testimony because I have something to tell I get to, and it's a privilege of mine to be a disciple of Christ. And so I have this question in my mind I wanna share with you today. If you tell me you're a disciple of Christ but you have no desire for the things of Christ, then I wonder, I wonder, So don't tell me that we're disciples when we're deliberately rebelling against the very things that is the nature of God. And we're rebelling against the word of God and we're rebelling against the teaching of Christ and we're denying and we're trying to justify and our lives are consumed with sinful lifestyles. Now we all sin and come show the glory of God from time to time in our life and I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about where we live one day on Sunday morning at church as Christians and we live the rest of our life just kind of freelancing. God wants us to be separated in the sense of knowing that we have been set apart for his purpose and for his glory. Now, when I say separated, I don't mean come out from the world and be separated and go gather in your little clubs on a weekend and hang out with each other and look down on the world. Quite the contrary. I've talked about separated, meaning that you carry something that's so anointed and so powerful that when you walk into the darkest places, your light so shines that people can't resist it. That your light is so powerful that people can't resist it. And that we go to the darkest places in the world, we go to the most desperate places in the world, we go into all the world and we preach and teach this gospel because why? Because of the grace of God that's on our life and his purpose in our life and his power in our life and it shines into a dark world and they're like, whoa, I want what you have, I want what you have. You know, I don't mean standing in the middle of the crowd and holding a Bible up and telling everybody they're going to hell and being condemning and being judgmental and, and all that thing, but we go with love and we go with grace and we go with power. I like what Paul said. He said, he said uh, and then when he saw certain ones going, he said, and except for the grace of God, there go I. Every time I walk out of this place to go to reach the world, I need to remember except for the grace of God, there go I. Yeah. But when I remember the grace of God in my life, I carry a message of hope that's gonna change people's life. Why, because I'm a true disciple. When I say I'm, I'm talking about you. We're true disciples of Christ, and we carry his goodness, and we carry his mercy, and we carry his joy, and it's, it's our lifestyle. It's not something we do, it's something we are. And that makes a difference, right? Can I get a better amen? It's not something we do, but it's something we are. We are disciples of Christ. And so we go and do what we've been called to do. We want to go and reach the world. We want to, we want to touch the world. And, and you, you think you've been saved because you go to church or because you are given the offering or, or because you feed the hungry. Those are great things to do, but, but don't get confused. You know, it's, it, we live in a society where it's, this is so true. It's like if we take up an offering, people are like, oh, pastor, I want to I give in that offering can I just give? listen, I'll support your ministry. You're so powerful. You love people. I uh, Maybe, maybe, maybe you, I just love, I love what you do at Daily Bread. You guys, I just want to give to that. But I, I really don't have time to come serve. That'll cost me something. That'll cost me something. I don't have time to just get out of the mundane of life and to reach another person to open my eyes around me and see the the lost around me because that's going to cost me something I'm not willing to give. I'll give you money, but my life is too busy, so I won't give you my time. Now, I'm not trying to scold you this morning. I'm not trying to to make you feel guilty or bad. I'm just telling you we're in a society that's willing to write the check, but they're not willing to give their time, their talent, and their treasure all the time it's just real easy to shrink back into our busyness of life. And here's the deal, this can happen with pastors and churches and programs and we got, we got a, this ministry going on and this ministry going on. We gotta make sure that we have a women's ministry, a men's ministry, a widow's ministry, a young people's ministry, an old people's ministry, a this ministry a that ministry. And my God, we got this org chart that's so big and we're trying to get it all done and our tongues are hanging out and we're busy with life, but we're not discipling anyone. We're just busy. We're just busy. I look around me today, I read this article on the plane while we were traveling about how our kids are being inundated with busyness from such an early age, like their, their, their lives are, you know, they have a phone or an iPad or a game or a something in their hands at all times, and they and our children, and then, you know, I look around me and I I go into a restaurant, and I'm guilty of it too, so I'm not pointing any fingers, and you you go to a restaurant, and people are sitting, family sitting around a table, and everybody's staring at a phone. I hope you all are enjoying your dinner together. Distracted. Distracted. And if we're that distracted from the people that we love the most, how distracted we are, are from the world around us is calling out for help. And no way, throw tomatoes at me, okay? About what I'm about to say. I, I I don't hate on animals, but we're more concerned about saving animals than we are saving souls. Yeah. We'll cry over the little pro thing on TV with a little dog that's you know. And and it's okay to give to that, and it's okay to be moved by that. But when is that more important than the lost? <coughs> you see, the enemy does not care if he gets us. If, he, if, if the enemy knows if he can get us distracted, then we as the church can't be effective. And he distracts us with all kinds of things. All kinds of things we get distracted with. And we forget that every person around us is the potential person that God has called us to disciple. You know what would happen even if we just did this one thing alone? If we would disciple just the people in our family, or in our local circle, or in our schools, or in our workplaces, you would have a full, all you can handle of discipling. And we would definitely change the world. And we would definitely change the world. But oftentimes we're distracted even from those things. And so here's what I'm gonna say to you. Sometimes we're not being discipled, and therefore we're not discipling others. So we first have to step into saying, God, I wanna be a disciple. I want to follow you. I'm going to do whatever you've called me to do. Can I get a better amen? Discipleship requires something greater than just simply showing up. Just simply showing up. A Christian disciple is a follower of Christ, but one thing we must know is that the cost of following Christ will cost you your life. This message people do not like to hear. It will cost you everything. And you will have to say no to some temptations and the things of the world and you'll have to learn to follow him and this is where your your discipleship as well as discipline comes in and God will be with you through trials and through suffering and through loneliness and through humiliation but you have to say God I am all in I'm all in here's what Luke says about it Luke 9 Jesus said to all of his followers if you truly desire to be my disciple you must disown your life completely, embrace my cross as your own, and surrender to my ways. For if you choose self-sacrifice, giving up your life for my glory, you will embark upon a discovery, a discovery of more and more of true life. There it is, that freedom again. But if you choose to keep your life for yourself, you will lose what you're trying to keep. Even if you gain all the wealth and the power of this world, everything it could offer you, yet lost your soul in the process, what good is that? So why then are you ashamed of being my disciple? Are you ashamed of the revelation of truth that I've given to you? If I, the Son of Man, will one day return in my radiant brightness with the holy angels in all the splendor and majesty of my Father, and I will will be ashamed of all who are ashamed of me. That's very powerful. From a god who's full of grace and love and kindness and joy in our life and he says but if you don't love me now there'll be a day that i won't love you that i'll be ashamed of you i shouldn't say love probably or i won't be i will be ashamed of you in luke 14 25 as a massive crowd followed jesus he turned to them and said when you follow me as my disciple you must put aside your father your mother your wife your sister your brother Yes, you will even, it will even seem as though you hate your own life. And I read that passage of Scripture. I was like, ooh, now that hurts. That hurts. And that word hate is a very powerful word right there. But what God is saying, he's not telling you that to be a disciple of Christ, you leave your family. He's saying to be a disciple of Christ, you put him above all else everything in your life he takes takes priority over everything in your life over your job over your occupation over your careers over everything in your life he has to be lord over all of this and this is the price you'll pay to be considered one of my followers if anyone who comes to me must be willing to share my cross and to experience his own or he cannot be considered to be my disciple so don't follow me without considering what it will cost you. For who would construct a house before first sitting down and estimating the cost to complete it? Otherwise, he may lay the foundation and not be able to finish. Then the neighbors ridicule him, saying, look at him. He started to build, but he couldn't complete. Have you heard of a commander who goes out to war without first sitting down with the strategies and plans to determine the strength of his army to win the war against the stronger opponent if he knows he doesn't stand a chance of winning the war the wise commander will send out uh, delegates to ask of the terms of the peace likewise unless you surrender to me giving up all your possessions you cannot be one of my disciples that's a very powerful word right there folks if you're not willing to be all in all in all in and in our society today, people don't like to be all in. They like to leave a little room over here, a little change over here. I like to have some options. And they do those options and everything in life. But God's saying, hey, listen, if you're going to be my disciple, you've got to be all in. I'm 100% in. And if we only take this from the thought of being all in as being, oh, uh, it's going to be so hard It's going to be, you know, we think about so difficult to follow Christ. And you know when it's really most difficult to follow Christ is when you're not all in. When you're trying to walk in Christ, but you don't have revelation knowledge because you're not all in. You haven't understood the purpose and plan of God because you're not really all in as a disciple learning and understanding from God. And so you're walking kind of half in, half out, and it's very difficult and hard to follow God that way. And the enemy comes in, and he puts kind of a, all these things on you as you're trying to struggle through this. I'm following God. with not, I'm not quite all in. I'm just kind of there. I'm, I'm, it, it, unless there's, you know, You're just not really giving it your best. And the enemy comes in, and then he puts guilt and shame and all these things on you, and you're not good enough, and you're not this, and you're not that. But you know what? When you're all in, and you make a mistake, or you don't do everything you're supposed to do, God comes in, he makes up the difference. Because when you're all in, he knows you're all in. And He knows that we're not perfect, but He knows that we're all in. He knows that we're all about Him and that we're giving our life for that. And so He makes up the difference in our life. He brings revelation, truth to us, and we walk in the fullness of who He is and who we are. That's a powerful, powerful thing. So we have to not be distracted. And maybe, maybe those distractions are not some big, terrible, sinful thing, but they're distractions from fulfilling the purpose of being a true disciple and being a light to the world. They're distractions in our life. And then he goes on to say this, salt is good for seasoning, but if the salt were to lose its flavor, how could it even be restored? It will never be useful again, not even fit for the soil or the manure pile. That's pretty strong. If you have ears opened by the Spirit, then, then hear the meaning of what I have said and apply it to yourself. What is God calling you to do What is God speaking to you to do? Because here's the thing, he's called you to be the salt of the earth. He's called you to be the light to the world. He's called you to be a city set up on a hill. He's called you to be a world changer. He's calling you to that. And so when he calls you to that, you have to, hey, you know, well, pastor, I need to quit my job and go full-time ministry. Oh, that's what's wrong with the whole church today is we think we got to quit everything to be full-time. We're full-time when we say yes and amen. We're full-time on our job. We're full-time at home. We're full-time in the marketplace. We're full-time everywhere we go because we're disciples. We're disciples of Christ. I probably shouldn't say what I'm about to say, but you can be full-time at a church and still not be a disciple, just be an employee. That's a good word. (laughs) So we began today talking about being saved by grace. And yes, we are. And we're kept by grace. I thank God for the grace because I've been through some trials and some disappointments. And I thank God for his grace. And we've learned to live above and not beneath. And we're learning what it means to go all in for the cause of Christ. And knowing it will cost us something to be a true follower. Paul tells us we must daily die to ourselves. Daily. Everybody say daily. Not Sundays. Daily. I got to get up tomorrow and die out to the old Marvin. I got to die out to this old flesh. Brad, you got to get up tomorrow and die out to old Bradley. Bradley. You got to get up and say, God, you know what? There's nothing more important than you. And I put it all on the altar every single day. And I say, I've surrendered to your purpose and your call because I am a disciple of Christ. This is what I'm called to do. As I get up and go to work at my workplace, at the school I teach, or at the job I'm on, or at the factory I work in, or the executive office that I work in, God, I'm going to be a light. I'm going to shine so bright. I'm going to be so attractive that people cannot stand it. they got to want to know what's going on in my life. And we learn to live in the blessings of God and to know that in the middle of it costing us everything, that God wants to bless us beyond any measure that we can ever measure. But let's don't get confused. As God begins to bless our life, let's don't get confused. All the things in this world are just temporal. They're just temporal. They're just temporal. They only last a short time. We're only here a few days and then boom, we're gone. My wife keeps getting on to me for saying this, but you know, as I get older, I'm not old, just say, I'm not old. But as I get older, you know, as you get older, the phone rings more often about people that are dying. As you get older. You start seeing things through a different set of lens. When I was young, I, could, I was conquering the world. Now I'm older, I'm just conquering the day. Right? And I thought, man, if you conquer the world, you were great. If you conquer the day, that seemed kind of small. But the truth is, to die daily is to conquer the day. It's to conquer the day and have a vision for tomorrow, but know that every day I'm conquering today. Every day that I'm living for Christ today, every day I'm rising above. Every day I'm doing more. And I understand that. And then I, I told someone this a few weeks ago. I was like, you, 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 take the, this, you take this life so seriously and don't give very little thought to eternity. It should be the other way around. We should take eternity very seriously and laugh at this life because This is just a moment, right? There, you ought to enjoy this journey. It's like there's some things we just need to laugh at, there, there's some things we're not going to change, all right? And we can get all of our focus on some things, but what we can change is the etern- eternal things. We could be the light for people that's good, like, hey, you can bring a light to people like eternity matters. Eternity matters. If you grant all the wealth and riches on this earth and you don't see eternity. It doesn't matter. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying you shouldn't get wealthy. Get wealthy, but be blessed. I wish that we could drive up to church every Sunday and everybody's driving a brand new car, nice ones. Everybody's living in a brand new house. Everybody's got, I'm okay with all of that as long as those things don't don't get us focused on this earth and not, the, not, not eternity. Not eternity, because that's what really matters. That's what really matters in the long run. And God set us apart. He set us apart. He set us apart. And you know what? I I, I found this out. Once you're set apart, you're set apart. You know, even on those days that you don't feel real spiritual, like you're having, how many have a day, some days you're like, I don't feel very spiritual today. Like before, y'all raise your hand. All right. Y'all are all so spiritual up in this house right here. But on those days that you don't feel so spiritual, those days that you're not feeling like running through a troop, leap over a wall, and you're not, whoa, you know, you're not feeling Conan in the spirit, you know, like, ah, I'm going to just go to steal your light shining because it's got Christ in you, the hope of glory. Because the time you've put in to have more of him, your light is still shining even on the days that you don't feel, oh, so great. Because it's Christ in you that makes you great, and that's why it's so important to have to say, "I'm going I'm to be a disciple. I'm going to take up my cross, and I'm going to follow after Him. I'm going to share the cross with Christ. And if I gain the whole world and I lose my soul, what good has it done? What good has it done? And we're tempted. We get caught up in in this world around us, and... And we just get caught up in the war within us and our soul, the war within our soul, and we can lose sight of what's really greater, what's really greater. There's a cost to lay down your life, but there is a blessing that's far beyond your imagination. And the cost is worth it. It's worth it. My sister reminded me of a story when I was a little kid. My dad was a disciplinary, you know, he would believe in spare the rod, don't spare the rod. And, uh, and my sister would say to me, dad's going to whip you, and I'd say, it's worth it. <laughs> it's worth it. I know I'm going to get a spanking for this, but it's worth it. It's worth it. And sometimes in living for God, it feels like it's not all that wonderful, but it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth being committed. It's worth laying your life down for. The end results is so much greater than the right now. And when Jesus called his disciples, he required them to leave Everything. Everything. And when they became discouraged, what did they do? What did they do when they became discouraged? They went back to what they left. The enemy will always try to get you to go back at what you left. He'll think what you left is greater than where you are. When you get discouraged, remember, going back is not the answer. Going forward is the answer. Don't forget about the pain you had back there that God brought you out of. It may be pleasure for a moment, but it's not the greatness of what God has for you. Keep moving forward. Keep saying, I'm pressing on. In John 21, verse 15, Jesus was having breakfast with the guys around the fire. And uh, he said, y'all love me? Peter said, Lord, you know I love you. You know we love you. He asked him once, he asked him twice, he asked him the third time. And when they finished the third time, Jesus said, if you love me, then you will feed my sheep. If you love me, you will disciple the people. And I'm just going to tell you this morning, if we really love the Lord, we'll feed his sheep. If we really love the Lord, we'll make sure our children know who he is. Oh, it's great for them to have the coolest pair of tennis shoes. What's more important for them to know who Jesus is? And if we really love him, we'll feed those people that work in our workplace. The ones that irritate the fire out of you, by the way. The one you, the one you wished you didn't have to work with. The one you've been praying for a promotion for. Lord, promote them right out of here. Lord, we're praying for a promotion. he got to feed his sheep and when we look at people we need to see what Jesus saw he was sitting on a cross one day dying blood coming out of his side crown of thorns on his head stretched out before the world and he made a very powerful statement he said forgive them Lord for they know not what they do you see he was looking beyond the cross to the resurrection he was looking beyond the pain that he was in for the moment for the hope of the world And we got to do the same. Sometimes we're being crucified. Sometimes we're being mocked for our Christianity and our walk with God. We have to keep loving people and say, Forgive them, Lord. Come and look beyond the cross to the power of your resurrection, that their life might be changed. They might be transformed in the goodness of God. Because I'm a disciple of Christ. Heather, you can come. We could change the world. We could change the world. You know all the problems we got going on in the world right now? You know, I, I'm hearing so much stuff about the abortions and all of these things are going on in the world. And look, I'm, I want you to know as a pastor, it breaks my heart, saddens me, the things that we're hearing. But I'm gonna be honest with you. When I really look deep in that, I don't blame the government. I, don't, I sure don't blame the heathen that don't know God. I blame the church. I blame the church because if we were being the like that God called us to be, there would be no hunger because we would be feeding the orphan and we'd be taking care of the widow. But we said, we don't want to feed the orphan or take care of the widow. That's going to require something of me, God. So we're just going to let the government do it. And then we gave them the voice. We gave them the authority. We gave them the power. We can stand in our pulpits and beat on our pulpits about how wrong and God-awful this abortion issue is. But have we been the light of the world that would bring a light to people that are hurting, that are broken? Have we been a light of the world to the drug addict that the opioid epidemic is so Crazy in our nation. Have we been the light of the world so that they would have hope beyond the drugs that they're taking? Pastor, I, 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 I got bills to pay. I got this to do. I got that to do. But we can be so judgmental about the brokenness of the world. But guess who the answer is? We're the answer. we're the answer. Instead of feeling guilty today by what I'm saying, I want you to feel encouraged today that you're the answer. I want you to feel encouraged today that you're the hope of the world. That Jesus told his disciples, he said, look, I'm checking out, I'm going, to ha- I'm going up to heaven, but I'm gonna leave you with the same authority that I had. You're the hope of the world. You're the city set upon a hill. He took a few handful of disciples who said, "I'm going to change the world and he turned the world upside down. Today we'll have 200 people plus come through this building today. I want to ask you a question, Are we the hope of the world? Are we the city set up on a hill? or are we, we just come on Sunday and get our Jesus fixed? Are we the light of the gospel to the nations? Is there something burning inside of us? A passion for his presence, a passion to see people's life change? Are we discipling our own children? Are we discipling our own our own neighbors? I think about the new neighborhood I moved in. I know those people think, oh, they know that I'm a pastor, but but do they do am I carrying the gospel to them? Oh, the pastor moved in down the road. He got lots of traffic. A lot of people come in and out of his house. But am I a light? Am I light to the world? You see, I don't ever want to met my occupation or my who I am on this earth to determine who God created me to be. It's more than that. And I'm the answer. I'm the answer. I'm the answer to hopelessness. I'm the answer. I'm talking about you today. We're the answer. We're the answer to brokenness. And by the way, none of you got to where you are today by yourself. How many was discipled? Come on. How many, how many was discipled by somebody? Maybe your parent. Maybe, maybe a friend. Maybe a pastor. Maybe a small group leader. But all of us got here because somebody loved us. Because somebody spoke into our life. Because somebody cared about our problems. Because somebody walked with us. And somebody needs you to walk with them. Not just break their leg, but carry them on your shoulder. Give them the grace that you've been given. Give them the heart of the Father. You see, the enemy wants to turn this all around today. It's like, oh, pastor's beating you up. and blah, blah. No, that's not the point. The point is that there's a calling on our lives, and you're powerful. Your testimony is powerful. Well, pastor, I don't know. I'm not a theologian. I don't know the Bible up backwards and forwards, and I can't answer all the... Well, neither can I. Matter of fact, as I get older, I realize, I just tell people, I don't know the answer to that. I don't have to know all the answers. but i got to let my light shine. And my testimony can change somebody's life. I was just thinking this past week, I've never thought about doing this. But I was watching a, a guy's testimony. I thought, you know what? I need to get Ryan and I need to put my testimony on video of the journey I've walked through, being raised in the church, being torn away and the life I've lived and the brokenness and the heart all the things that's happened because one day I'm going to be gone but I want my testimony to live on of the grace of God and the goodness of God and the glory of God and I want my kids to know that Jesus is powerful and he can change your life your testimony matters you're a disciple of Christ stand with me this morning prayer team can come